Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of This Is My Bourbon Podcast, episode 163. My name is Perry. I'm the host here. And this week, we are continuing the hiatus of one swan, the bourbon finder. And we are welcoming yet another guest co-host onto the show. And this week, it's one of my good buddies. I have not been able to talk with this man extensively in a while. So forgive us if we, you know take some tangents and some side roads and we actually you know we 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 do some non-bourbon stuff it might it might get there at some point but ladies and gentlemen john edwards of dad's drinking bourbon one of my favorite people in the whole world i'm so happy he's back on the show john hi hi (laughs) hi (laughs) it took us like 50 minutes to even get to to even start recording recording. yeah it really it really did because we we used to, and I, I think as life became whatever it was during the beginning of the pandemic, and then we tried to figure out how what life even looked like as we were dealing with it, you know, we stopped having, like, we used to, like, literally call each other every week and catch up and see what was going on, and uh, oh, yeah. it's, it's been a, a hot minute since we've done that. I mean, like, you even called me, I think it was... 2018 on Thanksgiving Day, and we talked for like 30 or 40 minutes. Because oh, you were going through some stuff that day, though. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. First off, that was the week that my first episode with Dixon came out, and you were you were giving me kudos for that. What you're talking about happened <laughs> two months later, and we're not gonna discuss that. <laughs> It was a, I mean, Perry just came firing out of the gate hot in everything he did. He had a two-hour interview with Dixon that he could have cut down to like 45 minutes. Nope, nope, and wasn't going to do it that. It was like, so Dixon, what's going on? <laughs> Nothing, Perry, what about you? My- Nothing. We hung out at Southern Whiskey Society. It was fun. For three yeah, for was. three minutes and you were drunk and weren't entirely sure what you were drinking at that point. But <laughs> No, that was year two for him. That wasn't the first. <laughs> no, but that I didn't I didn't go to Southern Whiskey batch one. I went to batch two for the first time. Oh, was it batch one he was good. Batch one he was fine. Two That's he when was, he he was like sleep you're like at the um two you I don't think you were at uh, the the second one actually, but I was not at two. I was at three. Yeah, uh, we and three was the first time that we actually got to see each other in person after months and months and months of talking over the phone and digitally and everything. But I know it was good to talk to you though. It was. I had a what? What are we doing? Like I had a I had a really bad experience with my job that I was working at that point too, and you just looked at me and you said. Forget all of that. You're with your friends. We're all drinking really good whiskey together. Just let it be for three or four hours. And I was like, you know what, John? You're right. And then a week and a half later, I left that job. <laughs> and if that job ruined your night, how would that have made you feel? Uh, it would have made me feel like I wasted all that time and all that money to be at uh, I know. whiskey. Southern Whiskey Society. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. Speaking words of wisdom. Drink whiskey. Let it be. Oh. 
Well, that works too. <laughs> I mean, I was saying I mean, the Beatles. Too. I mean, I was, I, I knew where you were going with it, but I just thought it would be fun to do a little play on it and say, speaking words of wisdom, drink whiskey. I mean, I feel like our opening has not been as tight as it could have been. And it's also because of us just being apart from each other. But let's. It's true. Yes. But uh, we normally. Let me, let me pull the reins in here for a second for you. So okay. It's your show. It is my show. But I'm going to pull the reins in for a second. So Perry and I have been friends for a very, very, very long time. We have. Some of that, like everybody, it's been virtual. And then we finally got to meet in person. And. It's just been awesome to see him grow, his podcast grow, him grow as a person, end up getting married, having a kid. I have 10 years on the man, so I understand kind of where he's been. He's getting to things a little bit earlier than I was, but I also have a daughter that's about to turn five. So, (laughs) you know, I got like a five-year head start on the man. Uh Um but it's just been awesome to see everything he's been doing. And I mean, mainly what I was bringing up is like even the interviews he was doing in the beginning, I tell you this all the time, how much you've grown, the questions you're asking, the way that the show is, it was really just my way. All of that other stuff was kind of crap the way they came out 10 minutes ago, but it's just saying, Thank you for having me on the show. Of course. I've loved watching you grow over oh. these past years. Thanks. Buddy. I really do enjoy listening to This Is My Bourbon podcast, and it is an honor to be on your show, my friend. I'd love to hear that. And, you know, we, we have, first off, thank you. But secondly, Are you happy I took the reins for a I second? I am happy you took that, the reins yeah. and you, you fluffed me up a little bit. But it, it has been really, it's just been awesome for me. As I've been doing the podcast and and growing it, seeing the support from other shows, like I've never, I've never felt like I was encroaching on anybody else's space. I always felt like I was just adding my own thing to it. And I, I, I always try to say I am very true to what I do. I'm not trying to imitate anybody. I'm not trying to, you know, come off as one thing or another. This is solely my baby and it's my little creative space. And I'm, I'm very thankful for people like you and, and Will and Grease from the podcast and uh, even to certain extents, Bourbon Pursuit too i mean i everybody's been very welcoming and i've not felt i've not felt out of place i've not felt like a black sheep i'm just well i just want to say this is because you're a jerk (laughs) and you picked a name like this is my bourbon podcast and when you have like dads drinking bourbon people copy that in some way shape or form yeah and there are all co- sorts of spinoffs on that. Nobody's copying This Is My Bourbon podcast. <laughs> and you got that going for you. So, like, I'm super proud of you for that. Let me, let me say something, too. We'll talk about this after we're, we're off air. But um, I did have one instance where somebody stole a certain aspect of my branding. 
And I was really, really upset about it for about five minutes. And um, they don't exist anymore. And we still do. So... (laughs) So I guess in some ways, like, the continued success is cathartic for me but at the same time it doesn't matter we'll talk about it at another time uh we touche <laughs> we normally start the show out with flying blind but because john and i are of course many hours apart and many miles apart we are not going to be doing flying blind this week but we can talk about what the heck we've been drinking recently so john what have you been drinking recently what haven't i been drinking recently <laughs> Back to the pregame chats. <laughs> There's a lot. I mean, I've just not been having the extra two pours that I've been having, but <laughs> the it's more. I mean, I've been having some bullet picks, some four roses picks, yeah, man. Um, Russell's picks. I mean, Jack Daniels barrel proof. So last week. We went on a little bit of a tear with the Wolf Pack, which is we dad drinking bourbon along with this uh, group out of Chicago called Flight Club. So we picked a Bullet and a Blanton's on Friday and a Jack Daniels Barrel Proof and an Old Forester on Saturday. Man. And then... um I did a Nashville Barrel Company in there. It's just a lot of stuff that gets sent to us too, right? Like you have the same thing. People send mm-hmm. things, so I'm trying. It's like I'm, I don't want to be drinking all this. I mean, I've loved some of the Maker's stuff lately. Elixir had this great Maker's Private Select pick. Tons of good stuff yeah. out there. What about you? I tell you, um, well, first off, and I, I poured myself a little bit of this because I've enjoyed the heck out of it, but Pursuit United. I thought the guys from Bourbon Pursuit did a crazy, crazy good job of... of but crap. which episode are you talking about? Well, no, this is the... The wide... Oh, wait, you mean the blend, the blend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the wide release, the blended straight bourbon whiskeys at 108 proof. Um, yeah, right here. I got it. I I really, really am enjoying this bottle. I think they did just a killer, killer job with it. And um, I'm very thankful. By the time this episode comes out, tomorrow, of course, will be my live stream on YouTube.com slash This My Bourbon Podcast. But I'm going to have uh, at least Kenny on and hopefully Ryan as well so we can talk about pursuit united and talk about some of their uh some of their single barrels as well and because i i i'm fascinated by the way that they have grown their brand and i want to take the time to kind of pick their brains about it as well because how often do they get the tables turned on them and you get to be interviewed so it's kind of fun i i'm not good at it at being interviewed yeah, I get really, really lofty. Like, just send me off into another, like, a different hemisphere, you know? I start trying to get too poetic, almost, and I have to learn to, to rein myself in 
a little bit so that I'm not, you know, I don't want to get too metaphorical or is that a word? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, philosoph- it's more like philosophical. Yeah. My problem is I'm really bad at giving up control. And I have to remember when I'm a guest oh, on other people's shows and when I'm, I mean, it's like even yeah. already I reined in your show. Well, that was, and I have, that was needed, <laughs> but I typically do a crappy job not being in the play by play chair. That's fair. Yeah. I, I can, I can get on board with that. I can feel that as well. Like I want to control and it's just everything I've been trained of being behind a microphone. Yeah, it's like of course. You dictate the pace, you dictate where it's going. Like don't ask any questions you don't already kind of know the answers to. Yeah, absolutely. That whole kind of thing. Yeah. And I just hate being on the other side because I don't know. Like, I like being the one to steer the conversation. Well, I'm glad to hear that this has been such a positive experience for you so far, John. Let's, uh, we'll do, have to do this again sometime. Goodbye. I'm just kidding. No, I don't feel that way with you. I feel like you, we bounce off of each other. But oh, there's absolutely. Other, you know, there's other shows you go on or other people you talk to and you just don't feel like... You know, you're like, I would have asked that in a different way, well, or and, I would have done this. And it, I, I think that it goes back to, we're very similar with the way that we have, the, that we conduct interviews. And it, it's all very conversational, you know? And, and I don't like it when they're planned out. I don't either. I don't either. I, I have to allow myself to be to be conversational and to allow the conversation itself to go where it organically grows. Otherwise it's just, it, it feels scripted and it feels like, you know, you could, I know Google, there's a Google lot of the other podcasts that send their questions mm-hmm. like, or have their questions listed and I feel like sometimes what you miss, and I know I interrupted you and I'm sorry. No, 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 you're good. I think what sometimes you miss is the follow-up question. So you're not asking the follow-up because yeah. you're just asking, okay, I asked you question number two, let's go to question number three. But something that you said could have been the most interesting thing. And people don't always touch on that because they're like, all right. Like and it's even with brands too. There yeah. are brands that say, "Can you send us our list of questions before we do this podcast?" And I go, "No, I can tell you the topics I want to hit on." Yeah, exactly. But I'm not going to give you the list of questions because I want it to organically get there. Yep, yep. we are very, very similar in that way in our in our it, interview style. So, well, and I'd rather have a a serious. I think the other thing that. I mean, you and I talked for almost an hour before this podcast, but that is one of the things that really, what has COVID, and I know you're not even supposed to use that word, but what has this whole thing in 2020 into 2021 really killed for me? It's the hour before you have a guest on when you meet each other in the same spot and you're shooting the shit and you realize, can I cuss on your show? You may as well. I'm not going to drop an F bomb. <laughs> That's fine. I'm just, 
I keep it comedy central. You're good. Yeah. Oh, but there we go. That's the, a good. That's a good uh, parameter to set for yourself. I tell Zeke all the time. I said we're comedy central. We're not HBO. <laughs> we we could drop an S bomb. We're not going to drop an F bomb. Yeah. But you know, you're shooting the breeze, and you find stuff out about them. You mm-hmm. find out similarities you have, and I'm a firm believer that once I start hitting record. People don't want to hear about me. People want to hear about the guest I have. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And even like, and that's the problem. I think that ultimately, I feel like we're in a therapy session. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that ultimately is why I have a hard time getting out of the host chair. Because I have that protection as the host where I'm not telling people about me. I'm steering the conversation to find out about other people. Right, right. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. I, like, I, I don't have to give of myself. I just have to direct you to give of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I think that's on a very stripped back level what content creation is based on, you know, <laughs> is directing people to basically give you what you want in terms of <laughs> in terms of stories, <laughs> in terms of you sound like you're getting them to go to bed with you. <laughs> you direct people to give you what you want. All right. Well, now that that's out of the way, I don't even remember exactly how we got there. Um, let's talk about some news of the week. Uh, and who's to say where the conversation is going to go after that? Um, will you Will you make me give you what you want? Please don't say that again. <laughs> So, Heaven Hill has announced that they are going to introduce some new environmental sustainability uh, methods for the future. The, I, I am really excited to see this. They have always been pretty self-aware and, and cognizant of the, the world around them. They have laid out some specific um, standards that they want to reach by 2030. One, use water more efficiently by improve, improving rather water use efficiency by 15% to drive towards zero carbon emissions by reducing carbon emissions from operations by 30% reduce waste by eliminating 10% of waste generated by operations, reducing virgin plastic and bottles by 50% and working towards zero waste visitor experiences, which is extremely cool. And one of those things that I feel like um, more distilleries should be looking at uh, in the, in the future. And four, conserve the ecosystems that support the business by sponsoring planting of 5,000 trees of substantial size in local communities, supporting sustainable white oak supply, and supporting sustainable agriculture. So I think that last one is the one that we could probably touch on the most. But it's that self-awareness that trees just a don't pop up overnight and b at some point we could very well face you know the 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 time where we go we need to figure out some other oak that we can use i mean i know it doesn't have to be american oak but like it it's it's not an infinite resource and in terms of bourbon you know as everybody knows it's a one time use or at least a first use. So to legally create bourbon, you've got to have a new tree. You've got to have a new barrel. 
So it, it's it's cool to see that they are aware enough and they want to, you know, find some way to actually continue to support the industry, even maybe, you know, past when they could be around. I'm not saying that Heaven Hill is going to go under anytime soon, but... You They're know not I mean. going anywhere no, no, no. for a that, long time. And that's time. not what I mean, but I'm just saying, like, they... They're looking out for the future. I would just say the interesting thing about everything is, and we talk about this all the time, what is the difference? Zeke brings up, and this just happens to be about Heaven Hill, but it's it's not a Heaven Hill specific issue in the industry. But when you talk about pre-fire versus Mm post-fire, And I think a lot of it has to do with the wood. And you think about the age of the wood that was being laid down pre-fire and the maturity of the trees and everything that was going on. There was a sweetness in that wood Mm -hmm. that just a lot of the oak now, it's like, okay, trees ready to be (laughs) cut down. We're doing it. It's not like it's sitting there not doing anything for a long time. Right. Right. I think that is kind of the difference in whiskey. And you think about Oak and every distillery should be, I know angels envy does it hats off to them hats off to heaven Hill for doing this. Every distillery needs to be planting trees and laying down Oak because we are going to get to a situation eventually where there's going to be an Oak shortage. Mm -hmm. And then people are going to say, well, maybe we should kind of loosen the whole requirement on it has to be new. And, and we, don't, we don't want that. <laughs> no. I don't want that. <laughs> and then you're just getting reused, retoasted, recharred yeah. barrels. And then, I, I mean, they have to do something at some point because there's going to be a shortage. More and more people want bourbon, so you have to think of sustainable practices it is just a necessity in order to keep bourbon going absolutely and and i i think that we're currently looking at something that we've been talking about over the past few years in terms of when is the bourbon boom going to end and truthfully with no end in sight we do have to find ways to your point to continue to support the 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 development of of these products and and to especially find ways to support new distilleries who might be coming up um, that are finding ways to innovate but also you know in continuing to support some of these heritage brands so it is extremely important and I do totally agree with you that distilleries find ways to and and maybe it's you know for however many trees go into a barrel of bourbon they make sure to plant that many or you know per i don't know per barrel they plant i mean heaven hill could spend a lot of money doing that but <laughs> i just think i mean it goes back to something that you were saying on you know, the whiskey community and everything that's going on and eventually like the divisions, it was something we were talking about in the pregame mm-hmm. chat, but 
I don't think, I think like the Facebook community could implode, but that's not going to stop the bourbon boom. No, no, not at all. I think a lot of people equate the bourbon boom with like the Facebook boards and things like that. But there's Instagram, there's now Clubhouse, there's like all TikTok these different even. ways. Yeah, there's all these different ways to get around. And whether or not people are buying, selling, trading is inconsequential to whether or not they're getting together. Now, what I think could hurt bourbon is if people don't eventually get back and start doing bottle shares in person and things like that. Like eventually the virtual thing is going to potentially hurt. I think there's plenty of people in bourbon that have said, screw it. And they're doing it anyway. Um, But that is what I think bourbon is a communal activity. Absolutely. So whether or not that community exists on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, clubhouse or in person whatever it is that is what keeps the community going and that's what's important so i I know it's getting back to some you know unless you pay perry the money you didn't hear this whole conversation so go to patreon.com sign up for this is my bourbon podcast so you can hear the beginning of this patreon.com slash my bourbon podcast for as little as a dollar a month you can help support the show I kind of lost myself at that conversation. No, 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 it's all good. I, I don't know good. where we were. No, no, no. I, I, I just. Where do we start and where do well, we end? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll end it by saying this. Heaven Hill is doing an incredible thing by actually making the effort to be more sustainable. And I hope that this is a good example as well as people like Angels Envy. For those moving forward who are looking to be environmentally sustainable uh, and to find ways to continue to support bourbon and ensure that there's a future in it. So the the next story, I, I want to kind of preempt this a little bit. Um, we're, we're not talking specifically about um, politics with this one, but I do want to touch on this uh, specific Kentucky congressman who has really stepped up and shown some serious support for craft distillers. And that is, uh, that's Congressman Andy Barr, who, again, Kentucky congressman, uh, but with his support behind it, uh, Congress was able to pass the Craft Beverage Modernization and Tax Reform Act, um, which essentially is just going to find ways to economically support and sustain craft distilleries. And there's, you know, specific examples how, you know, pepper, the old pepper distillery um, was supported by Congressman Barr and, and especially by this, uh, this act. But it, it's nice to see and I'm not saying that this hasn't occurred throughout the the pandemic, but it is really nice to see that there is this support still for the little guy happening, especially in this industry. 
I would just like to take this opportunity to say that it's BS that Tennessee has not helped out the little guy like Kentucky has. And the Tennessee Distillers Guild, I know, has lobbied multiple times to lawmakers in Tennessee. They all made hand sanitizer, did all sorts of things in order to help during this pandemic. And shame on the Tennessee legislature. I'm not calling one person out in particular, but I would love to see them have the same things happen that happened in Kentucky. I agree with you. And I think that in, in it, again, goes back to the conversation we just had. It's in support of the greater good. It's not just for one person or another. It is in you're you're trying to build everybody up. A rising tide lifts all ships, you know. And by showing people, say that there's a, a somebody who just has the idea that they want to go to Tennessee and they want to open a new distillery, and they want to see that there is that support, that economic support behind them. If they're not seeing the same support that they would potentially in Kentucky, well, that's not great for Tennessee's economy that you know they would more than likely go to kentucky to or or really any other state that might show that there's support for them so i i think that there should be i don't want to i don't want to get too in the weeds on this but i do think that there should be something that there there does need to be more done to support tennessee distillers and i totally totally agree with you Well, let me put it this way, and it's more of a kudos. I mean, I don't want to discount anything Congressman Barr has done. It's commendable. I just, it irks me, and I get my whole blood boils. I mean, everything, all sorts of industries, on-prem, off-prem, have been affected over the past year. Well, when you have liquor stores that can deliver, and they've been given the opportunity to deliver. You have on-prem that have been given the opportunity to do drinks on demand yep. and deliver drinks, mm-hmm. do curbside pickup of drinks. And you have distilleries that get nothing. Now, people are still buying their liquor during this whole thing. That's one plus but if that they're diverting their normal production schedule to do hand sanitizer to help you out, that is, they're going to have a disparity in what their normal production is yeah. because they were helping out everybody else. At the same time, you don't let them deliver. They're losing out on all their hospitality business. They're just starting to get some of that hospitality business back. What are you doing to help them? And that's not just in, you know, Tennessee, that's in Kentucky, that's in any state that has distilleries. There is a problem because there's a huge hospitality aspect to it. I no Sorry. no no, I I I 100% agree with you and I so much of the beverage industry, I would I would argue 80 to 90% of the beverage industry is reliant upon hospitality and again if we are going to look at a world 
post-pandemic, whatever that might be. I think that if you are hoping that tourism and, and travel and leisure are going to make a comeback, there, there needs to be a backbone of support behind it. And there, as with anything, there are those who are doing a, a really good job to find ways to support it and others who are not. But I, I'm, I'm hoping, much as I, I was saying with Heaven Hill being a, a guiding light, I would say for those who are trying to make steps towards sustainability, I'm hoping that with the the passing of this act, it shows that there should be more support for this specific niche of the the hospitality industry. Totally agree. And you think of some of these tours, and I just looked up Jack Daniels. So tours have just started to resume at Jack Daniels. Mm. First thing that pops up, there is the Angel Share Tour. Length, one hour, 30 minutes. Cost, 35 bucks. Mm. The Flight of Jack Daniels. Length, one hour, 30 minutes. Cost, 30 bucks. Taste of Lynchburg. Now, this includes a meal at Miss Mary Bobo's. Anybody that has come to Jack Daniels and knows about Miss Mary Bobo's, it's totally worth it. It's a three-hour tour, just like Gilligan's Island. It costs us a hundred bucks. Can we can we can we take a pause real quick? Because every time that Gilligan's Island comes up, I have to bring this up. Do you know that in the first season, the theme song, they ended it with "and the rest." There were two people yes. left that they could have mentioned, <laughs> and they said, "and the rest." What was wrong with the people who were writing that theme song? You had two people. I think it was, I, I can't even remember exactly who it was that they, they left off. Well, so it was, it was uh, Skipper, Gilligan, the professor, and Marianne. I think they left off Ginger. Exactly, exactly. And, but, but <laughs> like two people, you couldn't just include them in the theme song? But they rewrote because oh, no, it was Gilligan, the skipper to the millionaire and his wife. No, so they talk about Ginger because they say the movie star, the professor, and Marianne. Yeah, but in the first season, it was and the rest. Oh wait, what's the difference? Because the second season, the second they season, they actually rewrote it so that it included everybody. But <laughs> the first season. I'm sorry. I cannot hear anytime somebody says Gilligan's Island. My go-to fact is the first season, the lyrics were and the rest. <laughs> and they left off two people. <laughs> so wait, I'm looking. Uh... <laughs> I'm leaving this in, by the way. This so isn't getting after cut. <laughs> the first. No, after the first season, the theme song was re-edited from and the rest to the professor and yes. Marianne. So they were previously considered second build <laughs> co-stars. Which in some way, I guess and I understand, but still, it, like some genius went, yeah, we'll just say and the rest and nobody's going to notice anything that, you know, we left two people off. It's two people. 
<laughs> like that's and, not that's not so much that you can't use your brain to write. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm, Don Wells, by the way, rest in peace. She recently passed. Oh, that's right. She did. So Marianne recently passed. Yeah, sad. That was before Christmas, wasn't it? This whole podcast has <laughs> nothing to do with whiskey, <laughs> by the way. But getting back to what we were talking about, you know, so you have the Dry County tour that's twenty bucks. Is that it? The reason I list out all these tours that are at Jack Daniels, right? The number one thing to remember: every single one of these tours costs more than a bottle of Jack Daniels. Oh, snap. So the Angel Share, 35 bucks, that's two Jack Daniels. Flight of Jack, 30 bucks, that's two Jack Daniels. Taste of Lynchburg, 100 bucks. That's like five Jack Daniels. <laughs> At <So> least. <laughs> dry, dry County, that's a 20 You know, so like all of these tours, it's not Jack Daniels sells a crap ton more Jack Daniels than it does in tourism every day. But those tourism packages still add yeah, up for sure. They're more than a bottle of Jack. <laughs> well, where were we going with this? <laughs> I can't even remember the original thread. Uh, we're just saying, we're just basically saying that, the same thing that happened in Kentucky needs to happen everywhere with craft distilleries. And I know we're True. using Jack and Jack's not a craft distillery. It's just an easy example to have, but it's, it's Nelson's Greenbrier, it's yeah. Corsair, it's H Clark. It's, um, it's old glory. It's postmodern. It's Chattanooga whiskey. It's old Dominic. It's all these places. And then think about everything that's in East Tennessee that, basically thrives off of yeah. tourists. You have old Smoky, you have Sugarlands, Old Forge. Like these people need tourists to come in. That is the whole premise of how, I mean, there's like three different groups of Tennessee distillers. You have the moonshiners in East Tennessee. They need the tourism. You have your traditional whiskey brands and then you have Jack yeah. and George. So it's like three different categories and tourism helps all oh, of, of course. them. Of course. And, and they're, they're, I think eventually we will see people realizing those in power, I guess, realizing that they do need to do something to support them economically, financially, however you want to put it. But Honestly, I think that it's going to take a minute for that to happen, and we're going to have to see some of the negative side effects of it before the the financial backing comes about. Now, I'm not saying that everybody's reactive. I'm, I'm more than certain that there are those who are being, uh, hopefully being proactive uh, in in ways that will continue to support this industry, but at the same time, there's a long way to go with it. I would say. So I I have thoughts about this, and and you do as well. We talked about it a little bit before we started recording, but there was a new how should how should we put it? 
people want to be like England and they're well, going to put out a 700 milliliter <sighs> bottle. Yeah. Here's. You're being too nice about it. Here's the thing. Make every allocated release, 375 milliliters, be done with it. So all these things that people are fighting over, there's only 10,000 of them. There's only 2,000 of them. Think about Stranahan Snowflake. There's like two to 3,000 bottles every okay. year of Stranahan okay. Snowflake. You could make it 6,000 okay. bottles. Just put it 275. Right. Hold on. Hold, three se- hold sorry, on. put it hold three on. seven five. Be oh, done with Josh, it. No, no, no. John, I'm John, not getting no, off. I need, of this. I need, I need to. First off, I need to talk about this for a second. So, for back for you're being, you're giving it. No, too much I'm credit. not giving it too much credit. I'm trying to give it some background. So the TTB uh, has now passed what I, I guess an act that uh, there is no basic standard. I guess size for liquor bottles so it's not like you can't just go can i get a you know get a 750 of turkey 101 or whatever now there is the chance for there to be 700s i think i've even seen that there could be smaller than that bigger than that there's just there's no real specificity on what things have to be bottled at so my my thinking here is and I do agree with you that things should be released in multiple sizes. I don't think everything has to be, if it's allocated, in a 375. I think it could be 750. You could have some in 375, but you could also have some in airplane bottles at 50 mils. And, you know, just, just allow people, because that would give them the opportunity to actually taste it. Right. Even now you bring up an interesting point. I do appreciate <laughs> that. I'm pointing at you. People can't see on the, on the podcast feed, but I, I was, I was see, getting pointed the, at. It's been a while since I've been pointed at. I so. at least, <laughs> I at least know enough to explain it. I love how Zeke does stuff on our podcast. I'm like, Zeke, nobody knows what you're doing because it is an audio format. But you, I'm very proud of you. That is, imagine George C. Stagg in exactly. 15 milliliter airplane bottles. Exactly. And it doesn't even have to be glass. It could be plastic bottles. And sure, it's probably going to erode after like four weeks, but nobody's waiting over four weeks to get a taster of George T. Stagg. How many people would pay 25 so, bucks? Every, literally everybody who walks bottle. into the Buffalo Trace distillery. Would look at their display, and you know that this, and you know that the liquor stores are going to sell it for fifty, exactly. and people will still pay exactly. fifty. But it's just the opportunity to be able to taste it. But there, there is such a demand for it right now that the supply itself is just not being met, and the fact that you can alternatively provide people. With different ways to experience it is such an untapped market with allocated releases. And it, I, I'm not opposed to allocated products being in a 375. I don't hate that idea. But what I do hate is the fact that everybody thinks there is only one way for them to release it. And that's 750. And if you miss out on a bottle, you miss out on a bottle. But if you give people the opportunity to try it, 
in small doses, that to me is more important than the dollar. Well, I think it's also one of those things for people to be able to realize if it's something they want to go after in a 750. Oh, for sure. So take example, I always take this example, 404 Kitchen and Gertie's Bar in Nashville did this awesome thing where they had an OFC and they said, we're going to put it out at pours it costs. That's so cool. Now just That's so cool. So happened. This is a $2,000 bottle. So every pour was a hundred bucks. And I just said, this is the only time in my life I'm going to be able to do this, you know, find this super unicorn had it. I still tell everybody you can tell it's distilled well, but it is thin for my taste. And if I'm spending $2,000 for a bottle, I want something that is a little higher proof. It was a little low proof for me. It wasn't necessarily my jam. But if I didn't spend that money and if I didn't try it, it would always be one of those bottles. I would say, what if? Yeah, of course. Of course. There are tons of people, Pappy, BTAC, all these other limited editions, the Four Roses limited edition, Wild Turkey when they're coming out, like all this stuff that is coming out. If you allowed people to buy tasters, they could at least have that moment where they go, oh man, I really need to get that or, oh, I don't have to worry. Mm -hmm. And I do think too that it, it, I'm not trying to advocate here. But I do think that it would help regulate the secondary market a little bit as well. And it, it would be a way for distilleries to kind of take control of the way that people have just flown off the handle with trying to make money on bottles that they've purchased at cost or slightly over cost or whatever. But there there is just... There are so many positives that could come from this that I, 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 want to, I want to see that reality happen. I really, really do. And maybe this is a good thing. Maybe that's gonna, this, this act is actually going to lead to more variation in, in bottle sizes in terms of releases, but... I don't know. It could it could just be dead in the water. Who's to say? I mean, it could get to the point where like, you know, distillers are like, yeah, you get a 700 mil and, you know, just shut up about it, you know. <laughs> but but I would love to see, you know, pints or or whatever get released in in allocated bottles. And and the point being, I I would like to see things like this happen. But it could be a while. I'm a hundred percent with you. I am. And you actually changed my viewpoint because I was thinking more three, seven, five. I wasn't even thinking samplers. Yeah. Like that just changes the game and it takes all the hype out of there. So mm-hmm. you, you get a BTAC that comes in secondary shoots up and it's like, sometimes you know, the, the handy and the stag are better than the Eagle Rare or the Saz. Like, Absolutely. Or sometimes, I mean, there's never a time that Pappy is worth what it's paid for on secondary. Never. Ever. Nope. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> never worth that. 
So, but if people could taste it and it takes the stigma away, I mean, I think people pay for Pappy just so they could put it on the shelf and say, hey, do you want some Pappy? Yes. And this also goes back to the conversation I was having with Adam last week, that there is so much that people see as... I... It's all BDE. That's what it is. It's just the BDE of having Pappy on your show. Right. I I totally agree with you, but it's also the... It's it's less of a... Do you want to try this? Or, you know, you've never had this before. And more of like a... Like a... Like a centerpiece, almost. Or a talking point. 100%. You know. And if you see the shelf behind me, there is not one Pappy on the shelf behind me. I mean, you can't see it. It's I mean, I'm looking. Behind, I'm looking right but, now. You do have Booker's thirtieth up no, there, though, and I'm jealous of that. No, I don't have Booker's thirtieth up there. What's the What's the Booker's next to the or What's the box next to the E. H. Taylor? There's and it's gone, which is a Willet that was picked by Mike. Oh, Hines. right, right. And then there is a Short Mountain Distillery box that they actually uh, branded the Dad's Drinking Bourbon logo oh, okay. on the front All of the right. box. All right. Well, it looked like a Booker's 30th from here. So Totally not a Booker's 30th. I'm not, you know. No, it's okay. But <laughs> there is no Pappy on my shelf because it's just not worth it. I agree. And... You know, retail is it, it, fine. You find it retail and you want to get it sure, but secondary. Yeah. It's such a soft take anymore for anybody to go. Well, oh, Peppy, Peppy's not as good as it is. At, you know, as secondary. Like, yeah, we everybody knows that at this point. But, but when somebody asks, like, what's your people? But when somebody asks, it, like, what's your what's your hot take about bourbon? And somebody goes. Well, you know, Pappy's not what it's worth. I think within the community, we all know that, don't we? Well, my hot take on bourbon is like, screw age statements. Stop worrying about age statements because there are some people that get all excited when they hear that something's like 10 years old or above, right? Newsflash. MGP sucks after 12 years. It sucks. <laughs> I don't, dis- I don't disagree It is with you. 8 to 11 years, maybe sometimes 12 on a good day, that MGP is good. Like, different distilleries have different age statement sweet spots. And people see something that's like, oh, crap, this is 20 years. This is good. No, it means that the proof isn't going to be as high. It's mm-hmm. gonna be thin. It's gonna suck for somebody that likes 120 proof. Like you can't necessarily get 120 proof after a certain age point. Sometimes if it's too old, it tastes too oaky. It's been mm-hmm. in the wood too long. There's a reason why scotch can be 20 years old or 40 years old and not taste oaky. It's because it's cold as shit in Scotland. So <laughs> You know, if you're it's in not Kentucky touching the, yeah. Tennessee, yeah, and it gets to a hundred degrees in the summer, and it gets to zero degrees in the winter, like 
there's a lot of movement in and out of that wood. Absolutely. It shouldn't age as long. You look at the distillery at MGP, it is a cement facility. Yeah. It ages different. The proof goes down the longer it ages at MGP. Like every distillery is different. Every distillery has different ages. You can't look at age in whiskey, in American whiskey, and say, oh, that's the end-all, be-all. If it's older, that means it's better. Look at Chattanooga whiskey at three to four years. It just doesn't have that, the way that I explain it to people, you know what I'm talking about with a craft distillery and it tastes crafty? Like it just tastes oh, raw. Yeah. It tastes mm-hmm. raw and a little unfinished. Like yeah. they weren't necessarily sure about the heads or tails or the, you know, how long to ferment it or like there's just something that's a little bit raw and a little bit gritty about it. Yeah. Chattanooga, I'm yes, I'm friends with Tim, but Chattanooga doesn't have that crafty, grainy feel to it. Well it tastes finished. And and that's a conversation that I had with Haley from Wilderness Trail last week as well on my live stream. That I think their four-year-old weeded bourbon is much more well-balanced right out of the gate than their six-year-old is. Both oh. bottled and bond products. Both and and don't get me wrong, I still think that the six-year opens up super, super well. And I do enjoy it now. When I first opened it, I thought that it was was lackluster but the four-year-old weeded bourbon from wilderness trail bottled and bond hundred proof is killer i think that they just knocked it out of the park with that product and it it's the conversation that i have been having not just about wilderness trail but new riff as well hello Knox. sorry the cat just came out no, but no. It, like if it's good at this age, why does it have to be older? Why do something extra to it? And why that conversation and, and cutting you off for a second. No, go for it. I just put something up about makers and somebody's like, I love that makers is trying new things, but I would love to see them put a double digit whiskey out there. And I said, I had a really good interview with Jane and Jane's like, they don't think their whiskey tastes good that old. And maybe it doesn't. You know, maybe yeah. they know where the sweet spot is. Maybe they've tried it. Maybe there's some stuff they aged that was a little bit older and they tried it and they were like, we don't like this as much as we like where it is right now. Well, yeah. And, and at some point, I think you have to step back. And especially with some of the bigger name brands, say they know what they're doing, right? I mean, the, the, the folks who are on the bourbon trail, and I'm using them specifically because it is a really well-allocated group of people and distilleries, save maybe one or two. But it, it's, it's a crew that is tested by time and by experience to the point where they sound like a whiskey tested by time and experience, <laughs> but it, one it, man it, <laughs> rule them all. 
It's like a movie trailer. It's that was definitely Highlander. <laughs> there can be only one. Bourbon <laughs> but but you you have to at some point just say I trust these people enough to where if a product if if, if just a single barrel comes out and it's not as good as they believe it could be and they don't want to put it out just just let them do that let them make that mistake and then move on you know makers for 50 years put out one product and people were happy with it and i'm not saying that we shouldn't look for variety in the products that we buy i love variety there is not a day that goes by where I'm like, the, I only want to drink Wild Turkey 101, or I only but want to drink Knob Creek yeah, Single Barrel. Sometimes the variety is I want makers on a Monday and Wild Turkey 101 on a Tuesday. Exact, exactly, but the the point being, Makers 90 Proof is a tried and true product. And people... Well, they screwed that up, try to lower the proof on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're not going to talk about that because that didn't actually happen, so... <laughs> <laughs> By the way, on a side note, and then I have another hot take for you. Oh, here we go. So, side note is whenever somebody brings up Dr. Pat and Wilderness Trail, I always think of Project Pat and 3-6 Mafia. Oh, that's a really... <laughs> there you go. Like, I always feel like, you know, there's going to be like a, a rap song where it's like, or a hip hop song where it's like, you know, three, six mafia, Dr. Pat. Like, <laughs> I would love that so much. We'll have to ask Haley if she can make that happen. Well, no, I mean, but Dr. Perfect. Pat's more of a grunge guy. Well, fair. Or jazz. The, no, he's grunge. He's totally grunge. Well, I, know, um, I mean, him, him he, he himself, absolutely. But the name Dr. Pat sounds more like inherently jazz. Dr. Pat. So, <laughs> <laughs> the other hot take I'm going to bring up is if you source whiskey from a distillery, that sourced whiskey is not worth four times what the the whiskey is worth from that distillery i agree i 100 percent agree if you take dickel or barton and their crap comes out at 50 bucks that doesn't mean you can charge 200 bucks for dickel or barton and it's happened more than one time in more than one instance so th this actually leads nicely into the TTB labels that were filed this week or released this week, I guess. I don't care. It's not worth 200 bucks. No, I, 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 I agree. I'm sorry. With, I'm I agree with off. you, but, but I'm just, I'm look, man, I'm trying to do my segue here and you're just, you're really stepping all over my, I'm screwing yeah, it but, <laughs> but this, this does tie in nicely to, two of the, the three TTB labels. And the first one we're assuming is a 15 year old Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Uh, it says premium straight bourbon whiskey, but Bushwood back nine at 101 proof. This is yet again, 
another product in this weird slew of 15-year-old bourbons that have just been cropping up over the past, what, like three months that we've seen? I have to imagine that by using the branding that they are, and wow, they really slanted that font, didn't they? <laughs> that is bad. I know that font like very, very well. I've used it in in branding and in publication stuff like that. They really, really screwed the pooch on that. But well, no, is this because of? Uh, is this like a play off a of Caddyshack? I don't know. I mean, it. I guess potentially. Uh, I would think Bushwood back nine. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Bottled by Bushwood Spirit. So Bushwood Spirits is there's a website for it right now. Is a guy golfing. Mm-hmm. Totally has to be a Bushwood. It's got to be. So there's Bushwood Premium Bourbon, Bushwood Ultra Premium Bourbon, and a vendor's pre-order here. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know that old brand, vendor's pre-order here? Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Uh, oh, no, the whole thing. I mean, they have stuff on there, be the ball. I mean, this is totally a play oh, off a of Caddyshack. That's absolutely Caddyshack. Yeah. Yeah. So... But why why are we continuing to see these 15-year-old products being super, super priced up and released to the allocated market right now? And the next uh, label as well filters into that too. I love cats. Okay I love there? cats, man. They just get into everything and they don't care. Well, here's the question. And Zeke brought this up on our show and I bring it up too. It's 15 years old. Yeah. For some reason, the distillery where it was distilled did not want to put it out. Exactly. Why? And that stuff is going to be based off of age and age alone. That is going, the price is going to be higher because they've aged it there for 15 years. They paid taxes. They're going to sell it for more. And then the, whatever company, the NDP that gets it is going to sell it for higher. Age Mm -hmm. does not equal price. No, but I I think that, I agree with you, but that is definitely something that has been uh, a a common factor in pricing as of late. I I will give one example, though, where I feel like it actually is appropriate, and that's the old Fitz Bottled and Bond line from Heaven Hill. I think that they have done a good job Overall, I think that they've had a couple of missteps, but I think that overall they have done a good job of appropriately pricing those bottles 
based on the age well, and the, the overall product that they you're getting. And yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They're up front. It's 10 bucks a year. Mm-hmm. That's what it's been. Yeah. So if it's 15 years, it's 150. If it's nine years, it's 90. Like they just basically said it's 10 bucks a year. Do I still miss the four year bottled and oh, bond for, for 15 sure. bucks? For sure. Do I miss Heaven Hill bottled and bond six year for 15 bucks? Heck yeah. But Heaven Hill has basically established a pricing model of 10 bucks per year. That is a great bottle that you are caressing right now. <laughs> like a cat. Like the cat that just knocked over something in my studio. But anyway. Yeah, you're petting it like a <laughs> You're like, oh, my pretty pet. My sweet, oh. my sweet boy. <laughs> but. But I agree I with mean, you, yeah. it's fair. That's fair, though, that they were basically like, Heaven Hill was like, listen, it's 10 bucks a year. Like, they've done that with all of their spirits. Mm-hmm. It's with their Heaven Hill bottle and bond, with their old fits. The only thing they haven't done it with yet, and Heaven Hill, if you're listening, please don't do it, is with McKenna. I mean, because that's a 10-year bottled and bond. Next thing you know, McKenna ends up at 99 bucks. So what what separates McKenna from Old Fitz then? Is it the weeder effect? Is it the fact that they're selling it in a in a really pretty decanter? Or, you know, have they the just... The fact that it was a $30 bottle and it should have been a $30 <laughs> bottle and it won San Francisco, so they upped it to 60 That's the only thing that separates. I, I want to say, too, there, there's been a, a rumor going around. You probably are aware of this, too. More than likely are aware of this, too. But the six-year, 90-proof green label, Heaven Hill, was going away, um, which was is only available in Kentucky, but I like freaked out about it for a second. And, and you went and bought a case. No, 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 no. Like I just, I had a, I had a moment of panic and you know, somebody asked me about it and I was like, you know, maybe we should ask Bernie. It's not going away. Bernie has confirmed it. They're only getting rid of the handles. It's the, that that's the only thing that's leaving. What? Bernie's the man. He is the man. My favorite thing about Bernie is when he goes, this is a whiskey. It's the whiskey business, not a whiskey charity. It's not a business. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) We're both deep into this. I can't (laughs) make straight sentences at this point. The power of editing. What people forget is we've been talking now. You and I both got on two hours uh-huh. ago because we did your pre-show. Yeah. We shot the crap for a while. Uh-huh. So at this point, like, we're deep. Yeah, it's almost midnight my time. <laughs> I'm going to let you go in a second. I mean, what else do we need to cover for you? We we talked about TCB labels. Well, we got this. There's the other one that Barton is putting out, the new Costco brand. Yeah. That's the only other thing. Otherwise, I mean, we're pretty golden. But the the other thing that people don't realize is Tennessee Distilling Company had Kirkland for a very long time. Everybody uh-huh. thought it was Dickel, but it was Tennessee Distilling Company. What's that say on the back of it? Uh, it says Tennessee Straight Bourbon Whiskey on the back of it. But does it say where Oh, wait, it was here we go. Here we go. Oh, 
Wait. No, it says bottled by Tennessee Distilling Limited. Not all of it was Dickle. Like the seven years probably Dickle. Distilled and bottled in the sovereign state of Tennessee. That's right. 93 points. Gold medal. (laughs) America, you can't tell us where where we distilled it. It's sovereign. No, but I, I, I do want to, this was the, uh, the kind of last piece I would say for the new Kirkland line that's coming out of Barton was a small batch because other, you know, they had their single barrel, they had their, uh, they had the, what, like the full proof or whatever other crap they had going on. But this one's 92 proof, you know, probably what, like it's really five or six hard years to old. Beat 1792 foolproof like that is the best thing that they have coming oh, out of that 100 absolutely more so you know some people really like sweet wheat some people like but the foolproof at 50 bucks is a super good pour i haven't heard people talk about i feel like 2019 and 2020 people didn't really talk about foolproof as much as they did in 2018 I can get on board with that. Yeah, I I don't I don't I know feel if like it's, the foolproof picks kind of they definitely dwindled, and yeah. I I don't know if it's that people just kind of forgot about them or or what, but those foolproof in general is just a stellar stellar release, even if it's non-pick related. I think that just off the shelf, it's spectacular. I love picks. <laughs> But it's got to be a pick that I trust. It's got to be somebody that I trust their palate going and actually pick. But I picked a great, it was in 2019. I got to go up and pick a great barrel at Barton. Big pick energy. (laughs) Big pick energy, exactly. (laughs) That's more like what I pick a Jack Daniels barrel proof. That is big pick energy right there. I think part of me hates myself. Need you. <laughs> no, can you please put a T-shirt on? This is my bourbon no, shop. Oh, absolutely. This is big. Pick absolutely, energy. I'm going to. I will wear it. <laughs> I deserve a discount after giving you this idea. But I will wear it on a barrel I, pick that says "Big Pick I Energy." Am, you'll get the very first shirt that ever gets released of it. I'm. I it'll be it. it'll be out before the end of the week, I promise. I think I am so excited <laughs> for this shirt right now. If if this whole two hours on this podcast did anything, this shirt is the thing I'm most proud of. Oh, I can't wait to put that shirt out. It's just gonna be fantastic. I feel like our podcast together, like it's a whole bunch of rambling, and then we find one thing. It's like oh. now, and now it's time to wrap up. <laughs> but I think I, oh, honestly, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Oh, I have missed you so much. I've missed you so much. I do feel like we need to go ahead and start wrapping things up, though. Thank you all. Well, honestly, John, thank you so much for for being with me this week. Um, it. You know, what's been so much fun about this is getting to do my own thing, but experience what co-hosts are like in different settings. 
And this has definitely been a unique experience, but one that I have loved ex- just extensively. If you need me to do it again, I'm available. Yeah. <laughs> There's a good chance that that might happen in the future. Who's to say? But we'll we'll see about that. Um, we do have to do tips and bits before we get out of here, though, where we recommend some things to people. It doesn't have to be bourbon related course uh but anything you've been watching listening to enjoying over the past well normally it's over the past week with uh with our normal co-host but if there's anything that you need to let people know about that they should check out oh so much i mean cobra kai if if you haven't watched cobra kai you need to watch cobra kai i'm also a huge fan of hip-hop evolution on Netflix, is it that is that a thing documentary. There's four seasons. Is that that thing that uh, Jimmy Fallon and Justin Timberlake did on the the, the Late Show? No, <laughs> it's actually um, it's a rapper Shan who goes through and he goes from the very very beginning of hip hop. I would actually really love to check and that Chronicles. Out. It is a super interesting. Uh, documentary there's four seasons but four episodes of the season and it goes from the very very beginning when hip-hop was going up against disco and it was the alternative to disco mm-hmm. and there was the first house party where they basically just kind of played the breaks over and over to where it is now in the digital age it is just all-encompassing of everything and i love good nonfiction. Yeah. I really love good nonfiction stuff. And that was just excellently done. As far as whiskey goes, man, I like so much. It's hard to like find one thing opposed to something else. I, um, I love a good pick. I love a good bottle. Whatever it is, though, try things. Try things blind. Figure out what you like. And whatever you like, don't feel bad about it. Yeah. Because what you like is what you like. And in this community, we need to be fostering people to just say, like, I don't care. I'm going to drink what I like. I totally agree. I think that's what I truly truly enjoy the most about this community is that when somebody says something like oh i really really love george dickel rye and somebody goes do you really? dickel rye some no 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 shit. it's good it is really uh, but i'm just i'm just using it as an example because i looked down and but it was it's really there mcp rye. oh no no no, no. yeah they're not making I know, it. It's I know. MGP Rye. I'm trying like, to illustrate a point here, John. But <laughs> I know, but you just piqued my interest because it's good stuff. I don't disagree. It is like my sleeper for 99% of the stuff, like my biggest sleeper is Dickel Rye. I don't disagree with you at all. You just brought up like the light bulb that is my biggest sleeper in whiskey. No, Sorry. no, no. It's fine. I know you the point. The up. point was when wrap somebody says something like, I don't like With X bottle and somebody else goes, well, I had it one time and I didn't like it. So maybe I'll try it again. I mean, it, it's, 
it's a very the community builds on it in and of itself all the time. I mean, there, there's never really like one defining point where it just hits a wall and then everybody gives up on it. I mean, people are very, very open to recommendations, especially if it's something that they've you know had before and they want to try again. But I, I guess that's my my whiskey recommendation. But I'll I'll go super nerdy with uh, my other tips and bits. Um, I just discovered this week, thanks to our buddy Dustin Whitaker, that HBO Max has all of Batman the Animated Series on there. Um, so I've been... That's not what I thought he was watching on HBO Max. <laughs> but I am so happy about it. He was like, HBO Max has all of Red Shoe Diaries. <laughs> That's what I figured Dustin was telling us. <laughs> no, it's Batman the Animated Series, and that's led me to watch other DC animated movies and then read backlog DC comics that I haven't gotten around to. <laughs> like, I'm very excited for the new Robert Pattinson Batman. I think it looks really good. The trailer, yeah. I mean, the you know, the two, th- two minutes, 30 second trailer we got so far, I think it looks phenomenal. But it's super dark, which Batman in and of itself is a very dark comic. I think it looks darker than the Dark Knight trilogy. The Dark Knight. I really, really do. So I, I, you know, I don't want to rely solely on interpretations of the Joker, but I do look forward to what the Joker is going to look like in that universe. I think it'll be just chef's kiss top tier. But anyway, everybody always wonders what the Joker is going to be like. And the problem is like for Jack Nicholson, I don't want to downplay this. He played a great Joker. Heath Ledger knocked it out of the park oh, for sure. Like Jack Nick, Jack Nicholson was an amazing Joker for what he was asked to do. Yep. And if you think about the whole Batman ethos, the Michael Keaton Batman up until the Dark Knight was the darkest Batman. Oh, he was defining. It was a definitive Batman portrayal. I'd... Like he was super dark mm-hmm. and still had the sophistication of all the. But I mean, you're going to get me going really nerdy here. <laughs> I mean, like. That's, that's for this is my nerd Batman, podcast, but. But the Clooney Batman who, you know, Clooney himself hated it, mm-hmm. was not nearly as good as Keaton. Well, no, of course not. Of course not. That's, if anybody listens to this podcast and is trying to take something away from it, it is not that point because everybody knows George Clooney was the worst Batman. And everybody also knows that this is now the end of the episode, which is my new phenomenal segue Apparently, you want to play guitar with Grease. Will you play guitar with me soon? I would absolutely play guitar with you. Okay, good. I there, dude. Come on. That I'm happy. Okay, you should. Be. All right, wrap it up. All right, you you're you're here. I'm doing it. <laughs>
I'm wrapping it up right now. Thank you all so much for listening, as you always do every week. If you have not yet, please hit subscribe on the podcast app that you are listening through. Leave us a five-star rating and review, of course. John, is there anywhere that people can find you on social media? I know there is, but I have to ask you that ambiguously. You can find us on Facebook at Dad Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad Drinking Bourbon. Find us wherever you download your podcasts. Chances are you know where to do that because you're listening to This Is My Bourbon podcast right now. And if somehow this is seeped into your brain by osmosis, hello, the deep state has reached you. Put your mittens on. (laughs) If you want to follow me personally, I am at PRater1492 on all social media channels. The show itself is at My Bourbon Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Speaking of Facebook, you can join our Facebook group as well. If you just head to Facebook.com, search for This Is My Bourbon Group, and we can get you in there. If you have questions or comments, send them to ThisIsMyBourbonShop at gmail.com. Speaking of the shop, you can find all of our apparel and merchandise at bourbonshop.threadless.com aside from our real fancy super cool awesome this is my bourbon drinking glass glen cairns which are available at whiskeyambitions.com courtesy of our good friends chad and sarah over at it's bourbon night and then last but not least you can become a patron of the show at patreon.com what about the big pick energy shirt oh big pick energy is coming this week that is 100 percent coming this week. I I cut you off. I am already, I am already developing the design for it in my head, and it's going to be spectacular. It's going to be subtle and and uh, understated, yet perfect. So, I think you need to have like a stave and thief, <laughs> and a barrel, <laughs> and it says like big pick energy, oh, like somewhere all together. 100 percent. 100 percent. Uh, but again, patreon.com slash my bourbon podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can help support the show, uh, for $5 a month. You get the bonus content, like the pregame chats and the last call, uh, which comes out as well every week after the main episodes that does it for this week. Next week, I'm pretty dang excited. Clifton from bourbon bites is going to be on the show. If you have not checked him out yet, on the YouTubes, go and check him out. Uh, we're gonna have a really good time together. That does it. Let's get out of here, John. Thank you again for being on. We talked for a while. We did talk for a little bit. Yeah, but I am super, super appreciative of you showing up and and being here for this. We'll have to uh, do it sooner rather than later. I hope. Well, we can talk. We can just in general. We can. Yeah. We may as well. You and I can have a private combo. Okay. That sounds like you need to tell me that you and my mother are separating, but. No. <laughs> I just, I'm saying we can go back to like our weekly <laughs> calls is all I'm trying to say. I know. That's all for this week. Thank you all so much for listening. Go listen to Dad's Drinking Bourbon as well. We'll see you guys next week. But until then, I'm Perry, and this is my bourbon podcast. Mm-hmm.